And we're at a moment where sort of all all contradictions are heightened, right? Byproduct of the crisis of contemporary capitalism this week in class politics. Classic fucking boomer. Old new left. Maintaining the relations of neoliberalism. No! Capital! No! Capital! No! Capital! No! 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 Ideas no! International, but we're from Canberra. You're on Doe Capital. We're broadcasting from the main streets of small liberal Canberra, adding our unasked for socialist insights and solidarity with working people and the poor, fighting capitalism from Campbell to Clifton Hill. On today's show... What's Dan Andrews gone and done this time? What's with Victorians not following Rupert Murdoch's scripts? And what the hell is the Federal Liberal Party's parliamentary leader, Peter Dutton's, up to with the upcoming decision to, um, well, he's decided to go and blow up the referendum into Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people having a constitutional recognition and consultation over matters that affect them. Those things and more, uh, what we're going to talk to with our Special guests, who we're very grateful to have back on again. Josh Gordon, who's the senior reporter with the Age newspaper, having a chat with us today about, um, yeah, WTF, what's what's going on here? And has he got tickers to the Oyster Band's sold-out international tour of South England? But first, Patreon, this show wouldn't be possible without our patrons and supporters. You can show your solidarity at www.patreon.com forward slash dog capital d-o-h-k-p-a-i-t-a-l please like and share and subscribe to our show and leave a review on your preferred podcast application thank you to our supporters who have helped us with our broadcast hosting fees and equipment your support helps motivate and resource us to make more content before we get going we're recording on Ngunnawal land and pay our respects to their elders past present and emerging whose sovereignty was never ceded, and who we express our solidarity with struggles to end in continuing injustices for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Josh, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Great to have you back. Now, Josh, uh, yeah, senior reporter with the Asian newspaper, long-time trade unionist, an economic history nut, and a fiddle player of the hard type of uh, folk music. What has Dan Andrew done this time, man? What's he done? I, I mean, that was the initial take I had. Like a week ago, I thought it's all Dan Andrews' fault, you know? Again. Oh, you mean with, with Aston? Yeah, with Aston, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, it's no. only a week ago. That's the crazy thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, well, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's it's a pretty interesting situation. It sort of hasn't, hasn't been the case that a government has won a by-election uh, beaten, a, beaten an opposition at a by-election for 100... Yeah, taken a seat off an opposition for 100 years. So it's quite a historic um, achievement in that sense, uh, federally. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, I just think it, it's sort of a sign of more more chaos, more pain for the Liberal Party. Uh, the, the broad church of the Liberal Party seems to be becoming broader by the day, uh, so broad, in fact, that the foundations seem to be cracking at the moment. And, um, yeah, I, I just I, I don't know how they're going to uh, solve this situation. They're just so ideologically divided in the party. The schism is now enormous, um, particularly in Melbourne. They're, you know, a lot of the... Um, so sort of, uh, I think it's fair to say, uh, right-wing uh, religious groups have kind of stacked branches yep. and that sort of thing. So there's a real sort of structural issue. And I think what's happening is the, the party is no longer 
in sync with the public. Yeah. And Aston is just a, another symptom of the of the Liberal Party being increasingly out of sync with public sentiment. So just to put it in perspective for people uh, to the north, um, some people don't quite understand the the sort of the seriousness of that Ashton by-election going away from the Liberals the way it did. I mean, it's kind of like people that might be used to the geography of Sydney. It'd be like, is it like Mossman all of a sudden voting? Uh, no, not really Mossman, no. It's, it's a sort of um, outer eastern suburb. Right. Um, kind of on the – it's a sort of middle, middle tier suburb. Yeah. But I think the thing that's really significant is that um, – the, the Liberal Party's vote in Victoria has just been shrinking progressively over many years. Um, there was a sort of high watermark when John Howard won, well, a high watermark in recent history anyway, when John Howard won the 96 election, they got over 50% of the seats yep. in Victoria and the seat count has been falling pretty much ever since. Um, it actually went up slightly during um, the 2013 election that Tony Abbott won federally. Um, but at, at, the, in, in, at the 2022 federal election, their seat count fell to, I think it was eight seats um, by, the, by then. Um, so, yeah, they, they had just eight out of 39 Victorian seats. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the, the thing about Aston was they're now down to just seven seats out of 39 Victorian federal seats. So they really are kind of heading for, for minor party status almost. That's, that's quite but, incredible, isn't it? But even more is just that in Melbourne, yeah. if you look at the electoral map, they now have just two Melbourne seats, which is un, unbelievable. Um, you know, that, and basically if you look at the electoral map, it's just a, pretty much a sea of red with a bit of green and some teal seats clustered around the city, but they, they just sort of have no uh, no power in, in Melbourne. And I thought it was very interesting the way Peter Dutton tried to sort of shrug off the enormity of that loss. Yep. For he, he kind of basically mounted this argument that, um, well, um, this is part of a long-term trend. Um, I mean, I, I wrote a, piece um, a, a couple of days back where the sort of line I had was, it's it's not me, it's you, Victoria, uh, <laughs> where he, I, th- I think he, he was just sort of saying, oh, well, look, basically Victoria is a lost cause. Um, he made the point that, um, you know, Malcolm Turnbull couldn't arrest the decline in the Liberal vote in Melbourne and nor could Tony Abbott, you know, on the, you know, so one was on the sort of more progressive side of the liberal equation, you know, and then you had Abbott on the more conservative side. He said neither were actually able to sort of stem the losses for the Liberal Party in Victoria. But, I mean, really, it's a diabolical situation, made worse by the fact that a lot of people in the party seem to me to be incapable of doing anything other than, listening to their sort of Sky News after dark crowd. Yeah. Um, and really, um, it was actually Malcolm Turnbull made made a point, uh, I think it was today, in relation to the, the voice uh, situation with the party. But he said if, if the Liberal Party 
keeps on listening to the Sky News after dark crowd, it's um it's sort of um its supporters are going to be about as large as the Sky News audience, uh, which is very small. So yeah, um, I've got just... twenty seven thousand um, viewers or something like that. It's something like tiny, that. Yeah. Tiny, yeah, tiny, tiny, tiny I, I, yeah. I mean, it just feels like they're in a a world of pain and they don't really know how to face up to it, and yeah. they're so divided. Um, and it's been really interesting. That's playing out in state politics as well. Yeah. Um, the the Liberal leader in Victoria, John Pesuto, he he's a sort of a, of the more progressive, small L liberal ilk. Yeah. He's really struggling to try to redefine his party. You know, he's sort of fighting against the national tide and he's also dealing with people who are on the conservative side of the equation in his own party in Victoria. Yep. And it's just a really tough, uh, tough battle, I think. Yeah. So I mean, would you would you agree with the premise? I mean, it's like a if there's any blame, it's a collect it's a collective responsibility, really, isn't it? Like between people who aren't aware about Australian politics, it's state branches that really do determine what the makeup's going to be for uh, the federal parliamentary parties. And if you've got state branches who are basically seeing this played out uh, across the country, both in Labor and Liberal parties, um, their reaction to various pressures going on is. Well, the Liberals been quite spectacular, really, trying to adjust with like who the what do they stand for, what are they for, uh, the shift to the right in terms of um, the, the you know sections of those organisations and their backers. While well, the meantime, um, I mean, they've got themselves a base. Like they're not actually paying attention to what's actually happening on the ground. That disconnect with with people in the community. Um, I mean, even the polling. I mean, even if you actually had, um, I don't. My take on it, Josh, is like. Yeah, surely there's got to be someone listening to pollsters at least. I mean, I, I was just flabbergasted the day that you know news poll in the Australian publishes a news poll saying that there was only one demographic that was opposed to the Voice, right? Which was like blokes over sixty four or something. I mean, you know, no great surprise. You know, some older ex gen boomer guys. You know, oh no, not 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 going not going to be in it. Every single demographic it was a yes and. The same day, but Dutton's parliament, federal party, turns around and sides the you know blow the thing up. It's it's just quite incredible, really. I I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah. What? what it, it is really hard to fathom. I mean, I I think um, part of the problem. I, I mean, I, I've been finding it interesting because there's a lot of people in the party that are mounting an argument that the parties, you know, the big problem is that they're not far enough to the right. Yeah, right. There's that <laughs> argument that people keep on mounting that they're kind of trying to be labour light. Yeah. As long as they're trying to be labour light, they're kind of unelectable because labour will always be able to out-labour labour light, if that makes any sense. Um, but to me, it's just illogical that you can have now... Uh, <laughs> Every, every state in, in Australia bar Tasmania, I think now, that's Labor and you've got Labor federally in power, yeah. you know, their primary vote's sort of heading, you know, it's just, just barely keeping above 30% at the moment. Uh, in Victoria, in fact, it fell below 30% at the federal election, the, the Liberal Party primary vote. Um, how they can think that the solution to that is to become more right wing 
Um, yeah. I mean, the other thing that I think they need, they seem incapable of waking up to is that just the demographic forces yeah. that work against them at the moment. Like, um, I mean, to put it bluntly, the baby boomers are now dying out. Yep. They were a massive uh, voting block for, for decades, obviously, for many decades. But now you've got millennials coming through, um, you know, all sorts of people who haven't previously voted. And and they, you know, I just think that the Liberal Party is so far removed from their interests now mm. that they're, they're facing a, a massive uh, demographic cliff and they seem incapable of dealing with that. I mean, I did notice that, Dutton's talking about, you know, um, looking at housing and how to, you know, help younger people get into the housing market or help them mm. with rental sort of stuff. But I, I'm not even sure they'll be able to deal with that because in a way their interests are so imbued with housing investors and and that mm. sort of thing that they're never going to go near anything, you know, like um, negative gearing or capital gains tax concessions, you know, and so... I kind of think, yeah, maybe they'll release more land or something. I don't know. But you, you're kind of tinkering around the edges even with that stuff. So I'm just not sure they know how to address those sort of structural demographic challenges that they face either. So um, yeah. I, I, I don't like I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, like particularly in the state, at the state levels, like um, – you know, John Howard always used to say, oh, the Liberal Party is a broad church, but yeah. I just don't see that argument's cutting it anymore. I think it's just become so broad that it's almost uh, impossible to see how they can continue on in this way, uh, you know, without without some sort of more dramatic separation of big C conservatives and small L liberals. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking in parallels of history. You'd have to go back to uh, almost like pre-federation politics and then early federation politics. So the the differences between the you know the 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 liberals and the you know over free traders and um, protectionists, I guess, in terms of you know recalibrating where the big end of town was in terms of their political arguments and economic arguments. It, it sort of I just was thinking of that, and the the other one, um, it's like. They love dragging out uh, Menzies and, you know, mucking around with his corpse yeah. as they had for a long time. But I'm just thinking, like, like Menzies back in the day, there's those famous speeches that um, he really did sort of try to espouse a type of liberal ideology, which was very much about, hey, we'll actually not leave people behind kind of rhetoric. It was like, yeah, okay, you know, they're accepting that there were social institutions like unions and, and uh, working people had their stuff, but you know, really trying to get into that, like we're we're for everyone, we're you know quite populist, and um, weren't going to just rule for the for the BEN, which I think was quite successful for them. I think also you know that post-war period was pretty handy, but uh, we're well and true to seeing them, you know, stomping up and down and that sort of legacy. It's um, oh, it's oh, it's been. Look, don't get me wrong. I don't want to sort of show save the shark that's beached on the shore. Um, Really don't. I mean, you know, confusion to our enemies is is a <laughs> pretty much something I'm, I'm I'm enjoying. But it it does seem um, like it's just fascinating, and I'm kind of thinking like you know what it might not necessarily be the best thing in the world if you have oppositions that are in such um, turmoil in a way in terms of getting 
um, clear legislation through. I mean, I'm thinking from a Labor perspective or a Labor supporters perspective, if you have uh, Labor governments that are particularly um, not very ambitious Labor governments who um, put up quite conservative right-wing things, they're not, they're not really being challenged from, um, you know, a clear direction at all. And so we get... Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's not good for democracy. You know, you do need a um, strong competition uh, in democracy. And, and um, you know, I think it's healthy that political parties challenge each other. But, I mean, particularly at the state level in Victoria, yeah. like um, the opposition leader, John Pursuto, is having a, a good crack trying yeah. to present as a sort of more progressive figure in Victoria, but I feel he's really fighting against um, a fairly profound uh, current at the moment in his party. I mean, there was a situation where um, there there was an MP called um, uh, uh, Laura Deeming Mm -hmm. um, and she uh, attended a um, one of those sort of anti- trans rallies yeah, yeah so a lot of neo-nazis turned up to and gave the uh nazi salute yep. at um and um that i mean that was uh that caused a huge ruckus in the party because initially john pursuto said you know no we can't have anyone in our party associating with neo-nazis mm. uh and he said the only solution is to expel her from the Moira Deeming, sorry, I think yeah. I've got the name wrong. But the only the only solution is to expel her from the party. And then they had this party room meeting, and uh, basically didn't really have the numbers to expel her. And he ended up just suspending her from the Liberal Party for yeah. nine months, and saying, you know, you, you know, naughty, naughty, you know, you can't, you can't do this. But. Um, I think he. I think. I think his intentions were really yeah. good on that, and he is trying to show that you know that he he's sort of trying to lead a progressive, more modern brand of liberalism. Mm. But the problem is that the party room's just not in step with that, and so he couldn't he couldn't get the numbers to expel Moira Redeeming from the party, and um, you know, so in nine months she'll she'll be back. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, mean, meanwhile, I think you know they, they've got a real brand brand image, uh, and the Labor Party are, are not without their problems as a as a as a government, you know. But I just don't think they're seriously challenged at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Look, swinging it back to Labor, um, the do you know that the federal candidate for Ashton was she actually pre pre selected by the the sub-branches in Ashton or was she hand, like is is the Victorian Labor Party as far as you know is it still under administration from the federal party I, I think it I think it is I, I'm actually not familiar with the pre-selection process yeah right right um I do I do know that the liberal candidate Rashina Campbell yeah um she she's a, a lawyer but she um she sort of um part of the problem she had was that she uh, resides in in Brunswick, yeah. uh, you know, and so Labor ran this campaign against her. Firstly, uh, highlighting you know because people hate Peter Dutton in yeah. Victoria. Well, yeah. no, I mean that might be you know that's a very broad generalisation. <laughs> he's not. Yeah, plenty of people don't like him. 
you know, he's from Queensland. Uh, he came out in um, a few years ago and sort of had a big thing about Melburnians being scared to um, go out to restaurants because of African gangs. You know, they were yeah. threatened yeah. by African gangs and he was sort of mocked for that. I don't think he's a particularly popular figure and he yeah. was a... Um, a sort of uh, he provided labour with a lot of campaign fodder, <laughs> put it that way. Yeah. Um, and they also campaigned against the fact that um, that Rashina Campbell um, lives behind the uh, so-called tofu curtain in Brunswick. Yeah, and so that that sort of counted as a, a negative. And meanwhile, the Labor candidate um, was very much a sort of local, yeah. a local candidate. Um, yeah been involved in local branches and um, was, I think, well-known in the community. Yeah. Might so, have, I might have to check that, like, um, offline and that, and uh, I'll talk talk to Matt Byrne. But I'm, I'm, it is one of those interesting things about Victorian Labor, how um, there's been very little scrutiny of the fact that the, the Federal Party has effectively been running their organisation since 2019 um, because yeah, of... that's right. Like just outrageous corruption. Now, what, there was corruption from the, some of the left groups, but but over, overwhelmingly by by right right faction operatives. Yeah, there was terrible the branch right. stacking. Yeah, um, they, they had terrible branch stacking um, and terrible sort of factional problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, you know, it was very systemic. So the federal party did did sort of take over the administration of local branches. Yeah. And as far as I know, they still control uh, the administration of local branches. Yeah. And so they've been able to parachute candidates in, yeah. which hasn't always been good. I mean, no. um, you know, they, they, they got rid of some people, but, it, I mean, that in itself has allowed a kind of degree of it's just a, it's factionalism but just different people kind of well, from different factions uh, yeah. practising factionalism. Yeah. And so, you know, there were people who were pretty reasonable local candidates who got caught up in that process uh, and, and kicked out. You know, um, there was one MP, Frank Maguire, who was the member for Broad Meadows. Um, who who was a good local candidate, um, you know, depending on who you talk to, but um, he he got he got caught up in that whole push to sort of supposedly clean up the party. Yep. He'd done nothing wrong, you know. He yep. he sort of, um, but people just for whatever reason, he was sort of not factionally aligned particularly. Yeah, and so he got kind of got. Um, caught up and someone else was parachuted into the seat and so i mean certainly the labor party are not immune from practicing those sorts of things as well and you know i mean one thing you'd say about the liberal party is it's probably more democratic uh Mm. as a party in terms of the way it actually puts candidates in place yeah um but in a way that's also part of its problem because uh, branches have been stacked, as I was saying before, by yeah. these sort of religious groups and very, you know, right-wing people. Um, there's sort of been a vacuum left in the party and a lot of those, um, you know, uh, Pentecostals, Mormons and stuff have fl- flooded into the branches. Yeah. And, and, th- and then you're seeing a result where quite, uh, quite conservative people are being elected and they're out of step with... Um, 
a lot of mainstream values in my yeah. view. It's like um, motivated people with time and, and the resources to, to get involved can, um, yeah, they can really wreck a, an organisation that might actually have some democratic structures if uh, yeah, if the right. structures aren't, up, aren't yeah, resilient enough to actually cater for people who don't have the time. I mean, that's something that, that all parties have happened. But, I, I th- yeah, I think it's a fair insight as to... That's yeah. a problem that's definitely happened on the, you know, your centre-left and the left yeah, as well. I think that's you, right. Um, the demographic change you were mentioning before, um, Josh, we talk, you were talking about the um, the decline of the boomer as the deciding sort of, you know, social group. Um, that's traditionally been the um, the base for conservative voters in Australia. It, are you aware of any – I mean, the U, United Kingdom recently there was a, a study that found that basically ex-gens uh, are not, you know, turning around and voting conservative, but they got older. Are you aware of any other similar studies in Australia? Because it seems oh. to me that we're having a similar... It's not a phenomenon. It's kind of understandable. Yeah. Um, you know, 40 well, years of austerity growing up with it, you're just going like, yeah, actually, you know, why, why am I ever going to vote Liberal? They're, all they've done, ever done is go and take stuff away from me, let alone, yeah. uh, you know, how yep. inconsistent Labor's been. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Um, yeah, look, I think... I think. Um, I mean, there's that ANU electoral study, which yeah. is... Um, I mean, that that to me is is showing um, a massive decline in the liberal vote among younger generations, yeah. which I think is is probably pretty pretty diabolical um, for them. Um, so I, I was looking at one um, one study recently, which was the ANU had done that electoral survey, and that found that I think it was only about one in five people aged under twenty five nationally. Yep. were voting for the coalition, so yep. one in five um, under 25 and about one in four millennials who are sort of aged between 25 and 40. Oh, 25. So still really, and, and, the, and, the, and those trends are only going to get worse. So yep. probably in the next, um, you know, three or four years, people aged in their 20s and 30s, um, uh, uh, there's, there's going to be a lot more of them flowing in, into the system, um, yeah. and it's it's going to become more and more problematic, I think, yeah. for the Liberal Party, basically. Yeah. So they've got their problems, and I, I think the the thing about the Victorian branch of the Labor Party, really, for me, it's also interesting thinking about what's happened in New South Wales, where, like, on paper, Labor should have really wiped the floor uh, with it. But it's it's got. I mean, Victorian New South Wales and the Labor Party, in the terms of the Federation of Labor Parties, has their own problems. We're going on for years now. Well documented corruption, well documented, like just terrible governance, and um, a an obsession with basically keeping things tightly controlled and operating like a cartel, leaving the regions off to 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 you know uh, to rust and parachuting people in here and there and and whatever. Um, I think what you remind me is is modern politics. Interesting, you have structures that may not be fit for purpose, um, that become increasingly undemocratic. When what you need is something that's you know needs to be fit for purpose and open to people. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you, if you, what what you think, but I, I'm thinking like there is, I think, a genuine call out there for people to get more. If you are concerned with a state of democracy, that people should participate more in in um, political organisations, and if they're not catering for you know people in their new way people work you know online meetings being able to make decisions in online meetings um well you know we're going to have continue to see 
um, basically a bit of a shit show uh, in, in uh, mainstream politics. Uh, and it's probably something that people on the left can definitely learn from in terms of trying to be, if you want to consolidate your wins and be relevant and engage with your supporters, you've got to, you've got to have an open space um, for them to participate. I don't know. What do you reckon? Um, I reckon it's one of the great challenges of politics is to get people to become engaged in politics yeah. and engaged in the political process in an active, active sort of way. But I think maybe people are taking more notice of politics now because... Um, I think I think there's so many issues now that are becoming more and more palpable, particularly for younger voters. Yeah, people can't get into the housing market. Not a, you know, forget about even buying a house; they can't get rental properties. Yeah, uh, people's real wages have been falling for for many years now. Yeah, um, you know they're under huge cost of living pressure. Um, people are, are worrying about you know. Uh, you know, who have kids are worrying about the quality of public schools. You know, they can't, um, you know, they can't, um, you know. Um, you can't bank on them like you used to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're worried about hospitals. You know, it's sort of a lot of issues are kind of cropping up that are making people pay more attention yeah. to politics. And I think I think that's playing out at the state level and the federal level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think health has become a really big issue. And we yeah. saw it in the Victorian election campaign. It was a big feature. It was a massive thing in the South Australian election campaign, yeah. big part of the New South Wales election. People want to know that they can get, you know, just really basic stuff. If they get sick, they want to know they're going to get treated well and get good health care. Yeah. They want to know their kids are going to get a good education. They want to know they can live, you know, get a house even. Yeah. Um, they want to know they can afford, <laughs> you know, afford to... to sort of buy essentials and yeah. and so politics in those circumstances is becoming more important to people's mm-hmm. lives yep. i mean it moves in great cycles in a, in a way um you know when times are good i think people do become more complacent yeah but um as people become sort of more pressurized and in- inequality starts increasing uh people start thinking hang on there's something not right here and they start paying more attention yeah. Um, there's good and bad aspects of that. Oh, you know, yeah. I think I think in America, you know, the Trump phenomenon's partly been built on the back of um people feeling angry. You know, um I'd argue that they're they're very misguided for supporting Trump. Yeah. So in a way a vacuum, yeah. That then um, Yeah, but there's a vacuum, the that's right. That's exactly that it. Tussle. And that's what we're seeing with Bernie Sanders and his um you've seen his recent book, um It's Okay to be Angry with Capitalism. I have seen it. I haven't read it. Um, I want to read it, but I, mean, I, I think he's he's been very good at trying to, you know, like let's we got to fill that vacuum with two, two, you know, like like there are, yeah, you know, you can only really understand Trump supporters by also actually understanding just how you know all the all the promises about what how the way the world should be have just been so taken away from people. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think um, one of the great sort of I don't know for want of a better expression, con jobs yeah. in the modern era has been um, the ability of big, you know, conservative interests to convince yeah. working people that their interests are somehow enmeshed yeah. and that their interests align. And that's what you sort of saw with the Trump phenomenon. They yeah. they kind of harnessed all the 
you know, the working poor and the people who felt disillusioned and disconnected and, um, you know, under a lot of pressure, they somehow managed to kind of co-opt that group of voters. I think it's a bit different in Australia because um, we have compulsory voting. Mm. So it does it does tend to focus on the kind of the middle of the political spectrum a yep. bit more than Australia. Yeah. Um, but I think... Um, I think there are opportunities on both sides of politics to kind of exploit a sort of growing sense of disillusionment yep. with um, with the way things are structured and the way things are working. Yep. Uh, and um, you know, I don't I don't think the Liberal Party's been very effective at, at doing that. But yep. I think they're sort of thinking about it now. They're starting to talk about housing and cost of living and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, whether or not people take them seriously is a very different question. Oh, that's right. And look, I mean, I think that's just, to, just to sort of wrap that up, I think we're, what we're seeing the uh, Liberal National Party Coalition federally and then the Liberal parties on a state basis, are, are, they're dealing with a crisis that we find the sort of economic situation in the 21st century of, you know, really bad economic growth, inequality, um, climate you know taking a big hammering uh and people are getting um the cost of living crisis really hitting hard on people and uh the the you know the known knowns what was considered as this is the way things should always be is uh well and truly been given a kicking side right i guess yeah. you're right there is a there is a space there for people to um, really try to argue for a different type of politics i guess hopefully one that's um hopeful <laughs> as opposed to i don't know going after trans people like you know <laughs> Yeah, I mean, blaming them for everything or, or whoever. Well, really. I just think that is utterly counterproductive for the Liberal Party, and I yeah. can't understand. I mean, I, I I just sort of don't understand what what the strategy is, or yeah. maybe there is no strategy. Maybe they just believe it, and that's yeah. who they are. But um, I find it really uh, bewildering. Yeah. <laughs> Now, is there anything else you want to add on this one, Josh? I mean, we've got the, the referendum coming up. Do you reckon Dutton's gone and done himself out of a job or, or is this going to be a miraculous, you know, Lazarus with a bypass sort of a no-vote referendum? Uh, look, I, don't, I honestly don't know. I find it really interesting. I mean, I, I, think, I think it was interesting that the former Liberal Indigenous Affairs Minister, Ken Wyatt, um, yep. Resigned from the party today because he was yep. so disgusted with the position they're taking, yeah. and so I think I think um, it's it's sort of it's it's widened that ideological divide. It's another chapter in the story of the sort of you know liberal liberal schism. Really, um, I, I think Dutton is trying to sort of uh, exploit. Um, a bit of confusion about what the voice is. He's yep. trying to um, create a sense of chaos and doubt and uncertainty. Um, I mean, really the great tragedy of it, in my view, is that if it fails, um, and I, ho I hope it doesn't, um, it will just set the cause of reconciliation back just so many years, you know. Yep. I just think it will be profoundly damaging. Um, so, I mean... Look, the polling um, suggests that I think m most most sort of demographic groups support the voice. In fact, you were saying it's it's everyone pretty much, but but older older males. Yeah. Um, so 
I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, history does say that those um, those referendums, you know, to change the constitution do struggle in Australia. You know, there haven't been that many successful referendums in Australia. Um, I mean, having said that, though, everyone said, "Oh no, the Libs won't lose Aston." You know, a um, a government hasn't won a by-election and taken a seat off an opposition in a hundred years, and that happened. Um, yeah. So there's a lot there's a lot of funny things going on at the moment, um, and so who who knows really? But I I do think it it does sort of, you know. I mean, it is ironic that that was actually the Liberal Party did quite a lot of work developing the framework for The Voice, and yep. now Duck has turned around and done this. Um, and I think I think the big problem, you know, yeah, he might want to sow a sort of the seeds of division and, and a sense of doubt, but what he might not realise is it may only f- sort of widen that ideological gulf in his own party, and that's going to cause huge problems for him, I think. Um, I really do. I think he's in for a world of pain as well on on this. Oh, I think you're right. Well, look, thanks, Josh. Um, fantastic to have a chat and catch up with you on this one, uh, all things Victorian. And, I mean, we can't just blame it on Dan anymore, can we, you know? Um, oh, yeah, I mean, they'll have a crack at it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I mean, he is a, um, a controversial figure, yeah. Dan Andrews. Like a lot of, a lot of people don't like him in Victoria. Um, But uh, he's also done, I think people would acknowledge he's done a lot of things and, you know, he's building a lot of stuff and he's sort of had a big uh, social reform agenda and that sort of thing. So, you know, I think he's he's sort of popular for a variety of different reasons. I Um, I just find it's it's actually become a synonymous joke now, you know, because the the, the far right of, you know, the, the, the right of Australian politics of, Turned him into such a potent punching bag. It's like, oh, what has Dan done now? What's he done, yeah, <laughs> What's yeah. he's done now? It is, it is quite funny. And it's I, just I, like ridiculous, you know. It's just, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm the same. I'm, you know, you take, you take. It's not about the individuals. About what, what are they doing? And you know, some is good, some is not great. I'd like them to do more, but uh, yeah, it is, it is pretty. Funny. He was kind of hilarious when you think about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I think um, people outside of Melbourne, like a lot of conservatives and a lot of conservatives in Melbourne as well, just can't, yeah. they can't understand it. Like it's just there's something broken in their brain where they just say, oh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't compute. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I remember even um, Peter Credlin on Sky News saying when, during the COVID pandemic, she was sort of had some tortured argument that Victorians had Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> You know that we're somehow all, all sort of captive of Dan Andrews yeah, and yeah. his iron grip over over the government, um, and that was her explanation, which I, I just thought utterly curious. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, good good luck to him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it. Well, look, uh, Josh, we'll hope to have you back on again, have a chat about uh, all things Victorian and, and federal uh, in the in the political game. Thanks for being with us. Uh, look, this episode is part of Dole Capital. We put on regular shows. We've got more coming up you know, this month. If you'd like to like the show, why don't you give us a like on your preferred app. Give us a a, um, a review. That'd be great. 
or you can make a subscription to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast, it's free to do. Or you can back us uh, with some solidarity on our Patreon account at uh, patreon.com forward slash Capital. Or you can follow us on Facebook or Active on Twitter at the handle at Capital, which is D-O-H-K-A-P-I-T-A-L. Or you can email at dolecapital at gmail, dolecapital at gmail.com. Thanks heaps for being with us, Josh. We'll Great pleasure, Benny. Thank you for having me. Ah, thank you.